0: Hi, Spike, and Richard, welcome you to the show. This will be very pleasant, you should probably know. This is the Valorant so don't be surprised if you don't feel well. That worked out great.
1: Welcome to development hell we are one of four podcasts created within the last few months that chronicles the bumpy road that truly is the pass-fail industry known as entertainment movies music movies games television and movies also theater and literature they all have a story to tell I'm Spike Kittrell and I'm joined by Richard Humphrey and Kyle Anderson and we go to hell so you don't have to that's
0: pretty good yeah, that's beautiful when
1: Richard That's said little... it, I
2: was barely wow. listening.
0: <laughs> Look at that—we're like a podcast. We have uh, we have theme music now. We have a we have a real intro that we that we do, yes. and we don't With just our names on a it. flight of stairs while telling you the name of the show. the old intros were like we were walking we were giving you the pitch in an elevator but no elevator just the shaft as we're falling well and also like every time i had to do it i
1: kind i suddenly didn't want to do a podcast anymore like i was immediately pretty mad we were like i was like i have all this research done everything's gone great we've got a great story and then i have to explain the show and i'm like I don't think we should be
2: doing this. It was always like the last thing I wrote to would be like, I did all this research for like Gangs of you. Yeah. York and go, shit. I got to be like, hey, it's a Richard episode, baby. <laughs> or some shit like uh, that. It's,
1: it's, it's wild. Um, I have a, someone I work with um, works in radio and I asked him about, do you guys listen, hear that thing in the, because I obsessed over it, which was that ability for DJs to stop talking right before the first lyric where like they would introduce a song they'd be talking over the intro and you're like what are you doing they're about to start singing and somehow they are done sometimes
0: you're like they're not gonna make it they're
1: not gonna make it and i asked him like how do you do it and he's like it's just instinct man i'm like that's the coolest way to do it but it's always like watching a train like two trains going at each other and they cross fucking tracks
0: right at the end I do like how the dude just like was like oh no don't worry kid I believe in the heart of the cards <laughs> I just
2: let the tune take me you either have it or you don't fella that's all I'm trying to say
0: I play pinball with my spirit honestly <laughs> honestly how all like I'll
1: put a Rock quarter down on that be done which just like I just do what the TV gods think I ought to do <laughs> um but what every a great TV guy in their off time just whittling,
0: <laughs> He's whittling yeah by a river. they always there's
1: always there's um an unwittled slab of wood under every anchor desk in news right before they had to go on they were they were whittling a whittling a nice ornament for their misses.
0: you know too many newscasters are just holding the little pieces of paper that they're sort of Adjusting. Yep. What if they were doing like a little craft, <laughs> just a resin pour? That'd be a lot of fun. <laughs> you, you like, you like, turn on the the news, and the dude is just doing a Rubik's cube while telling you what's happening. <laughs> 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 He's just building tiny furniture. He's he like, "What's it for?"
1: He gets one side of the Rubik's cube solved, gets psyched, and then tells you about a fire.
3: <laughs> yeah, totally.
1: Oh man. Uh, well, I mean, when we were back on the radio, it was a great segue into this week's episode, <laughs> which is on um our first <laughs> album. We've dipped into we dipped into Theater. Have we we dipped into games, kind of game movie stuff, and now we're in mm-hmm. music with uh, Guns and Roses, two thousand eight, Chinese Democracy, which is the sort of Oof. the the like template for a thing in development hell, like it, like you know they say you know oh, Avatar is was the development hell of movies, or the uh, <laughs> the the Chinese Democracy of movies sort of this thing that we've all heard about but don't think exists. You can find tons of articles written before 2008, you know, called like the the greatest album never made or the the what happened to Chinese democracy. People had this this thing took so long to come out that there was a whole industry for years of talking about how it will never come out. <laughs> um
0: so which is which is maybe only like in the same vein As like Duke Nukem where these two things I feel like the 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 fact that the the joke almost became that they'll never come out Mm -hmm. and then when they did come out it was kind of just sad yeah right and and you see other
1: things like this that don't come out and they typically I feel like the story is like oh thank god
2: and or like I felt that way with like Borat too where it was like, I sort of grew out of wanting this, you know?
0: Well, also, it, like, they, they like, radically changed what Borat was. Yeah, like, right. Borat's woke now. <laughs> like, Borat used to scream. And he used to, like, yell at old Jewish people and, like, call them horrible things. And, like, now Borat's like, respect women, yes. <laughs>
1: So Chinese Democracy is one of those where it actually, it came out and I think with time and maybe our musical tastes, it doesn't quite land, but it's, a, it's not the worst thing to come from. It kind of sounds like it took 14 years. There's like 14 years of sh- shit in there. Um, and, and we haven't talked about music too much and, and I don't even know much about your guys' musical tastes. So Kyle, what like, how much rock and metal and specifically, like, Guns N' Roses love or awareness were you taking to this? And what did you think of the
0: album? Um, well, I mean, aside from my axle chest piece, which is just sort of...
1: Which you're showing uh, us now. You I got. You ha- all your yes, shirts are yes. cut out. They have a hole cut out in the yeah. middle
2: to show it off. <laughs> What's crazy is uh, Kyle... Kyle has done every podcast shirtless. This is the first one he's done with, like, shirt on, but a hole cut out in the me middle. it took so many months to to put it together and think we should do this episode. But,
1: yeah, he's got the tattoo of Axel on his chest. Axel in the tattoo has a tattoo of Richard. That's something to unpack later.
0: <laughs> it's inter- it's a lot to unpack. Have you guys ever been to, like, a, an event or anything that charged your uh, vehicle by the axle? Because I always am like, uh oh. oh, oh. One more, please. (laughs) Um, I'm glad you're honest. Needed that to happen. That joke. Charges
1: you by the axle. All right, we can work with this premise.
3: (laughs) One more, (laughs) please.
0: I like the joke because I'm polite in the joke. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, no. Unzip your sweater
2: to reveal the Um, hold shirt. I'm glad. I'm glad that joke about Axel's
0: rose. Um, so, uh, so kind of in the same way that, uh, that Spike was with video games is sort of my, um, my 80, 20 split, if you will, towards music. Like I love music, uh, but I'm not like a big music person. Like a lot of people have, like, this is a song that like saved my life or whatever. I don't really... Like, I just like a little bop, a little boom bop. Nicki Minaj's uh, super bass. <laughs> <little> Nicki Minaj's <laughs> super bass. That song saved my life. Wop changed
2: <laughs> my life.
0: Yeah, until... I was really lost until I heard Bees in the Trap, and then sort of everything Shit turned me around, I got a job that day. Uh... <laughs> No, no, but that's not, I'm not trying to make it sound that anybody who does love music making them sound silly or you're right. If you love music, you are correct. <laughs> music means a lot to you. You are right. I'm the weird person You never here see here that guy I standing on the that. corner with no, a
1: megaphone, I, like, against
0: music. <laughs> no one's going to take yeah, that no, harsh uh, stance. I, I love music, but I'm, like, the kind of person, I've gone to very few concerts, probably, like, eight, eight maybe in my life, right? Uh, I like them, though. Uh, Don't get me wrong, but it's just not, like, really my my thing. I'm not, like, the kind of person that knows the name of every person in a band. I don't know if I've ever known the names of a full band. People will be like, who's your favorite guitar player? And I'm like, oh, there's (laughs) more than one. (laughs) Lindsay Lohan in Freaky Friday. The one
1: I'm listening to now, all
0: right? I, I always like look at them and be like now is there one of the Stuart Little movies where he had a tiny guitar am I imagining that? yeah
1: <laughs> I feel like <laughs> between those movies, they had that mouse do every activity he, like I could tell you every you, you could tell a stranger like do you remember that part in Stuart Little 2 where he's like throwing rocks at the end of the quarry Someone would say they remember that or like do, do you, you guys know that's like building do You guys remember a model when, when he was dressed
0: as the little bellhop right?
1: Yeah There's <laughs> like, a tiny little bellhop. That didn't happen, but you can
0: imagine him in the little You hat.
1: can completely invent Stuart Little scenes
2: and no one would refuse to believe so, it happened. If I told you guys that there's a third Stuart Little movie, would you believe me? No, if you told yeah, me there were nine Stuart Little
1: movies, I wouldn't say no. I'd go, i didn't know that and i would never look into it and i would share it with somebody else
2: (laughs) yeah but there is a third one and it's just hand-drawn animation the whole time
1: yeah i'm never gonna look i'm never gonna confirm that does he fuck a bird in
2: two then he fucks a bird in two
1: okay now is that true (laughs)
3: like
1: again you can tell me anything about Stuart little i'll think it happened Also, Stuart Little Two is like I love fourteen minutes long. Like it's a one-reeler, and somehow I, <laughs> I remember it. Being it's just a movie about hat. that cat coming out of the closet. It's quite the robust narrative,
3: <laughs> whatever
1: it's about. Um. Okay. So, Kyle, your favorite musician is Stuart Little, eighty
0: twenty. It's
2: actually Jonathan Lipnicki
0: yeah no i just uh i i i love music but i'm not a big music nerd i like a lot of their uh guns N' roses hits though a lot of guns N' roses hits very good very very good hell yeah uh they know how to write good songs and i would argue that a lot of the songs on chinese democracy have like flashes mm-hmm. of their good songs 100 percent, right like almost every song on chinese democracy has like 20 seconds that i really like mm-hmm And it's just, like, the rest of it is bullshit or the intro to the song is, like, an annoying, like, metal tapping sound for 30 (laughs) seconds. Or, like, weird (laughs) shit like that. (laughs) Uh. Or the lyricism. The lyricism in this album is, like, their old songs didn't have, like, necessarily better lyricism, I guess. It was just, like, hidden better in their vocalization and their musical style. But the style that they chose for this album really highlights their lyricism that just ain't there. No, a lot of Love. it sounds
1: like like middle schooler <laughs> lyrics about like like they just found yes. out a fact and now they want to write a song about it. You know, <laughs> or they just the human like, head it, it,
2: weighs
0: it,
3: 13 pounds.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but like, but like because they are sort of like the they're, like, the rock band, right? Like, right, well, yeah, they they have a music video for, for a Sweet Child of Mine where it's, like, oh, here's a music video of, like, what it's like to be a rock star. You yeah. know, like, that's, like, half their music videos. Or Paradise City. Paradise City is the one that's, like, intercut with them doing a huge stadium show. And it's, like... For sure. Oh, my God. If you ever dreamed of being a rock star, you're dreaming of being Axl Rose. Like, that's who you're thinking
1: I of. think a lot of people don't understand that they made... They're, they were like a nineties band. They, I mean, appetite for destruction comes out in the late eighties. They, they do most of their great work in the eighties. And because of Chinese democracy, they're sort of absent
2: through the nineties, but they were like the tail end of a genre. They weren't like the start of exactly one, you know? it, but, but, and they could have survived
1: grunge had what we're about to talk about not happened because there was such a feud between, uh, Cobain, Kurt Cobain and, and Axl Rose and the band's, you know, sort of the the new flavor of the month coming in with a totally new sound that Guns N' Roses was well, you already... Know, you know who won.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh yeah, no, when when they feuded in 95, Guns N' Roses just started sweeping. 95 on, they won the annual Nirvana versus Guns N' Roses contest.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that they held on on bravo it's just it's just just dave a girl crying while that while guns and roses just whoops him in a three-legged race but axel's just like we're fucking making something at least we're trying (laughs) um richard this is an album that does sound like we're making something at
1: least (laughs) we've been making this what do you guys think of this richard uh same
2: question so guns N' roses love and music love where are you at um i uh in middle school i used to wear a guns N' roses appetite for destruction shirt uh mainly uh, a lot for the look but also too because i loved just like the music but i think i've always just i've never sort of talked about this out loud but viewed music sort of in the way like music works in movies is sort of like the background to like the moments like i'm doing things like i use music to run a lot too you know and or um just like i have it on while i'm doing things to like sort of narrate and punctuate a moment so i don't really focus on things like uh who uh, like what is being said in a song uh, for the most part just sort of how it makes me feel uh i've uh i grew up like not actually owning albums but just like I'd buy a soundtrack for a movie I like and then if I liked one of the artists on there then maybe i bought more of their music from that. Sure. I mean I have like favorite artists and things like that, but I did love Guns N' Roses growing up.
0: I mean like uh, my, You are like Sony Music's ideal music purchaser. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, like You'd
2: you'd uh, you'd make a movie it would have like in uh, an airborne toxic event song in it and I'd be like,
0: "Oh, I guess I'm buying one of their albums now." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Hey. Good band. One of the one of the eight bands I've seen live. <laughs> <laughs> Here you go.
1: <laughs> That's awesome. Um I went to uh high school at like a magnet school for music playing drums and before then since then I've just been I guess like the inverse of what Kyle's talking about where like I am sort of the music obsessive and trying to find new things and like investing parts of me in bands and like <laughs> like I will occasionally get very emotional when i think about the friendship between blink 182 <laughs> like when i think about
3: <laughs> tom delong that's how i and feel Mark about Hoppus all time talking low
1: to each other i get very emotional <laughs> and um and and things like that where like i i i yeah i'm very invested in sort of music i can't say i bring much to guns and roses as With the exception of like Appetite for Destruction, like Richard was saying, where that's an album where some of these bands have albums that are so seminal and it's starter rock that it's like and also Appetite for Destruction could be their greatest hits. It's one of those where like they came out fully formed and perfect, which can sometimes really
2: fuck a band. If you look at their greatest hits album cover, it is the Appetite for Destruction cover, but it's silver and says greatest hits, and uh, it's. I always feel like um, once you get to like sixth or seventh grade, like somebody hands you a box of music that isn't just what's on the radio or what your parents listen to. And it has, like, a Linkin Park album. Yeah. It has Appetite for Destruction. American Idiot. And it has, like, a, a American Idiot and, like, a Coldplay album as well. And then from there you, like, make a choice. No, 100%. Yeah. Um,
1: Well, I mean, let's get into Chinese democracy, guys. Uh, I, for this story, we're going to have... I, there, there were so many quotes. And, and talking about the research of this, Guns N' Roses is one of these bands, I think, like, a lot of, 70s 80s bands that have such obsessive fan bases um that have done such deep crazy research so a shout out to a huge source for this uh who's going who would make it seem like I did way more diving than I did is a YouTube page called Guns and Roses Central if you are at all interested in what we're about to talk about dig into this guy's work and see how i mean you if any moment happened in these guys' life it's covered on this youtube page um and this is this wow. i would say about a half of this is a paraphrase of this guy's work so thank you to this guy i don't know if i could find his um his his name but yeah guns and roses central on youtube check that out uh for more stuff
0: we'll, like put, this. A,
2: we'll put a link in the description for sure um,
0: yeah, show him some love in the description, and then, um,
2: and then leave a comment on his page <coughs> saying uh, "Development Hell sent us."
1: Yeah, and but then also not before leaving a comment on us because we need comments, guys, and rates and reviews, preferably five stars. Tell tell us, sh- share us with your parents. Your parent, I feel like we're a good show for parents. It's like play it in the car on the way to school that you're not going to
2: because we're all play it in the
0: car. Play it. Hey, look, I play mean, show the
2: them the show them the Popeye episode. They'd like it. Yeah, and hopefully it sounded okay. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: otherwise, don't let them listen to it Otherwise, we're trying a whole new way to record this week And who knows if that'll work <laughs> So, it's hard to jump in to where, like, to start with Chinese democracy um, But I'm starting here with 94 uh, With a specific moment and We're going to be having Kyle play a few parts, including Axel Rose And Richard play a few parts, including Slash because we're going to be throwing to a lot of quotes here. So in 1994, Axel, Rose and Slash, Axel Rose being the lead singer of Guns N' Roses, Slash being the lead guitarist, make a joint appearance promoting their upcoming album, The Spaghetti Incident, which was an album of covers of glam and punk bands, as well as um, a hidden bonus track Um which was a cover of a Marilyn, of a, of, not, not of a Marilyn Manson song, Char, a Charles Manson song. Um, so I this had weird this cassette. sort of non, yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's a really weird yeah, cover. Um, and it. How many
2: songs does Charles Manson have? Tons. Um, yeah, he, uh, honestly, you're in prison. What are you going to do? Well, cause that's the thing. Yeah. With Charles oh, Manson is any bops. Yeah. Honestly, they're better than Russell Crowe's music.
0: No, no there now there's a band I know every member of.
2: Yes, Kyle
1: knows every member of every solo act ever. Has how's
0: how's how's he stand up against Cobain?
1: <laughs> he
0: stands up way further. They're, like, they're both standing about the
1: same. Yeah. Um So in this interview uh, is when we first start hearing these guys talk about what is going to follow the spaghetti incident. And
0: Axl Rose was quoted as saying, We're aiming at 96 to tour, and we'll probably be doing a lot of recording and trying to put a lot of things between now and then. We're really into letting Matt go off more on his own in terms of drumming for Guns N' Roses. When he goes off on his own creative sense, it's pretty amazing. I want to facilitate that getting out. I want Matt to just expose on this record.
1: All right, so I wrote this in a fucking blitz, and he wanted Matt to explode on this record. So that was just a, a little taste oh, gotcha. of the typos that are surely going to come out of all of these readings.
2: It's cool. Um, I'm um I'm I'm two Moscow mules deep. Uh, this episode brought to you by. Uh, this mule Listen, premixed
1: if anyone's ever <laughs> prepped mule. to play Slash it is a guy who's two Moscow mules deep because oh my god <laughs> I would constantly see these interviews with him and I, I thought I had accidentally made it like .5 speed um, <laughs> so I the reason I include that track is one it is the first time they are being interviewed talking about uh, the next record um, but it also is the beginning of, of Axel talking about the drum sounds. As early as nineteen ninety-four, Axel is talking about the way he wants the drums to sound on the next record, which is going to come into play. Now, Axel also revealed in that interview that they were working with Brian May, who was a character in Bohemian Rhapsody. He also was the, mem- he's mem- the member of he's Queen the writer. Yeah. <laughs> he was the he was the producer of Bohemian Rhapsody, Brian May. Um, but also uh, you know, lead guitarist for Queen.
2: Um by this... mostly the producer of the movie Bohemian Rhapsody
1: and that's, I think if nothing else that's the, that's the lasting legacy <laughs> by this point Duff McKagan had released his solo album uh, Gilby Clark was finishing his and Slash said he had no plans to do one of his own Axel, however
0: said I'm trying to put a project together that's kind of a top secret weapon right now i like he sound like <laughs> fucking nick fury yeah. <laughs> Weapon. that's the thing sort of a secret i'm going to i i'm going to try to read well, him like nicolas cage cuz i do feel like it's that is that his energy, energy. 100% and uh nicolas war. nicolas cage's favorite song of all, of all time is one of the weapon songs weapon right is now. the song prostitute on this album right no this so is I do feel like this that, is a music,
1: musical musical adaptation of <laughs> nicolas cage <laughs>
0: I'm trying to make something secret weapon
1: <laughs> Axl Rose has definitely tried to kidnap the president um, Weeks later <laughs> Axl is at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, induction ceremony inducting Elton John and Bernie Topin uh, This was his last public appearance for four years um, And it was also his last performance of the 90s and this is 94 He performed with Bruce Springsteen a cover of come together by the Beatles that sounds like it slaps. Yeah, you know, it's... Yeah, it it's sounds like a pretty good performance. <laughs> yeah, whatever you know. you're imagining is what ended up happening. Again, remember, this is sort of pre-I'm-working-on-Chinese-democracy Axl Rose. So, like, it's still... He's, still he's pretty not fat yet, in. right? No, there's no, no cornrows, like, no everyday cornrows. Yeah, um, <laughs> at some point he just looks like Bret Hart. Yeah. <laughs> yes. At some point he looks like he's Oh he at, goes like... from
0: he goes from looking like Brett Michaels to Breth. <laughs> <Hey>, oh. <laughs> That's
1: what I <I'm... laughs> um In January of nineteen ninety four, Slash said he and the other guys had put together fourteen songs but sort of written in a more hangout jam way. Uh, this is the first moment where you're gonna hear someone say, We've written this many songs. Which you will hear for 15 mm-hmm. years of production at some point slash plays these demos for axel you know the way it was working was just they would go off and write jams and tunes and present them to axel to bring in what he had and his lyrics uh, Oh lord point,
2: axel we have your point, song <laughs> <laughs> yes
1: they, they they got on their hands and knees and produced and handed him a a, a disc <laughs> At some point, when Slash... Axel just smells it and goes,
3: mmm, guts of
0: trash, bring me another.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Slash plays these demos and Axel uh, took it, quote, took a, quote, pronounced disinterest. Uh, Clark also confirmed saying, well, it's an Axel thing. He just wasn't into what we were doing. He just kind of threw a wrench into everything that me, Slash, and Matt had worked on. Then Duff, Then he and Duff came in. Duff and Axel had an idea of what the album should be, and the rest of us have a different idea. Uh, and this also starts this thing of like camps within the band. Um, one point of contention between Slash Always and Axel was uh, a batch of songs that Slash had brought, and Axel thought that it was more Southern rock and not Guns N' Roses material. And because of that, like Slash wasn't interested in collaborating or hearing axel's ideas on it around this time axel became obsessed with electronica and industrial rock particularly nine inch nails uh slash was
2: quoted saying axel didn't really care because he only wanted to play industrial and pro i sounding crap
1: when slash was interested in listening to A- wasn't interested in listening to axel's ideas slash took the demos back where they later resurfaced on the album it's five o'clock somewhere Slash's first solo record with his band Slash and the Snake Pit. So this is, again, only a year after um, he just said he had no interest in a solo
2: project. Uh, I had played some stuff for Axel and didn't seem to take it well, so I kept it. I mean, it could have been Guns N' Roses at the time if he weren't into it, but that wasn't the direction he wanted to go, and Axel at some point decided that he wanted certain songs back, and the album was already finished at that point yeah uh, certainly wasn't a shock that it was done so quickly and then he's like, Well, I want these songs back and I'm like, no, it's too late and uh we've come to terms at this point, but there was a little bit of friction again
1: i you could do a find on, on the word friction on this unbelievable. like friction means we almost fucking killed each other it seems
2: it's like a, it's like you know, the word synergy in a corporate
1: meeting sure or creative differences in a we've fired another star star wars director <laughs> um as the band went back to write new material together. The workflow fell apart. Um, this could have been because of the absence of founding member Izzy Stradlin, who had abruptly left the band in 91, three years earlier, on the Use Your Illusion tour. He was citing that uh, two things, basically. The touring was becoming taxing on him, uh, and so was Axel. Axel is the common denominator on why someone wants to leave Guns N' Roses. Uh, typically, it's with one other issue. I think this is sort of the like genius problem where they know he's Axl Rose and it's kind of worth it to be in whatever he's doing. So they need one other thing to leave. For Izzy Stradlin, it was the sort of painstaking touring. Um, Now, as they tried to write with new guitarists, including Izzy's replacement, uh, Gilby Clark, who replaced him on that tour, uh, they became bored, uninspired and tensions between Slash and axel got worse.
2: No, by that point, the support group I had always enjoyed uh, to help me deal with Axel was gone. Izzy was the last one in the band who had been able to get me through uh, Tim creatively. Between Duff and me, we just didn't have the proper tools to communicate with him effectively. So, like, Izzy was Going like for the... a Joe Manganello yeah, sort like, of... Uh, you know, vibe. <laughs>
0: that, is, that is such a, a self-aware and apt realization from like the top hat and mop of hair that I've only ever seen slash B like I've only yeah. ever seen slash as like a little top hat above all this giant poof. And for him to come out and just be like, well, actually we didn't have the tools we needed to communicate effectively as creative partners. Like it's really like what an, what an intelligent, like self-aware take on why that, that time creatively didn't work. I knew
2: him a lot better as just, like, the dude in Guitar Hero 3.
1: Yeah. yeah he's yeah. a video game character.
2: That um, well, was a very Guns N' Roses heavy album.
1: Or game. Well, and he's just one of those guys that seems, like, permanently intoxicated.
0: But how much of that is the brand? Like, sure, is no. Really, or how much of that is, like...
1: There was a bit of that Lou Reed you thing know. of like I'm just going to fuck with them and and become and be slash in interviews, you know. But also I think a person like slash um he's the, the musicality with which he can play implies a certain level of intelligence and awareness.
2: Um, well, I think he's uh, uh knowing that he's that sort of self-aware and that talented It means like most of this feels like it is sort of like calculated in a weird way, too, where it's like he knows the type of person he likes to be, what he needs to be to make money. Yeah. And what makes money at the same time, he knows what his talent is, which is being one of the greatest guitarists of all time. So he knows he can leverage that to sort of do things the easy way. Sure.
1: Now, Gilby Clark started to seem like the odd man out. Uh, Remember, he's sort of the replacement. He replaced them. He replaced Izzy on the Use Your Illusion tour. Meaning, between that tour and now, they've only done a covers album. He hasn't been involved in songwriting yet. Um, he's not really vibing with anybody in the band. And according to Slash,
0: how it how it works to fire someone from a band, or like not fire someone, but like replace someone in a band that big. What had Duff done before? Being in this band, he was in another band. me uh, Gilby Clark the new guitar. Gilby or, Clark, yeah. Yeah, sorry, Gilby. Yeah. Um,
2: Gilby, was he the backup the guy guitarist? Who replaced,
0: whoever replaced Izzy. Yeah. Like, what was their pet? Like, how do you get that git? What's that? Light? It's a
1: great question. I actually <laughs> well, don't have it right now. Let me
2: find it. Well, it's because like because
0: also when you have someone who's because you can't just have a hired hand who can play the songs because then you're looking for a creative partner who's like, you know, eventually we are going to make this a new, a new album. You know what I mean? Like, not only can this guy do it in the touring schedule and, you know, like personalities melt, It's like, can he be the next person we need creatively to step up to the table?
2: Well, Journey did that with the whole ass lead singer. They uh, got, like, Arnell Pineda from the Philippines just because he was super good at sounding like Steve Perry and then toured with him for about eight to nine years before hiring Steve Perry
1: back. It seems like Gilby Clark bounced around L.A. punk and metal bands. Uh, we might end up with some—again, looking at comments on these videos I found, we might end up with some Guns N' Roses completionists listening to this who are going to yell at me. But it seems like of all the people we're going to talk about replacing people, it this one seems like like— you know the band just knew this guy from from the scene
0: um, hey
2: sometimes you're just doing coke with the right yeah. person you know yeah that's sure.
0: true gilby sounds like the kind of dude that brings the right coke
2: um according to Gilby's slash uh, is,
1: is the name <laughs> axel would call slash asking him to fire gilby saying quote he doesn't fit with my plan throughout the process <laughs> gilby was constantly <laughs> fired and rehired <laughs>
2: He's like the Elon Musk of running a band that was at the tail end of a genre. <laughs> no,
0: I feel like Gilby is their, like Jerry from Parks and Rec. Just <laughs> <laughs> like constantly shitting on him and he is kind of bumbling but he's like good-natured.
1: <laughs> oh man.
0: All right, well, He luckily- secretly
2: has the biggest dick in the whole group. Yes. <laughs> Gilby. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Gilby,
1: no, <laughs> no, I'm fired. No, um, I was delighted to see in this I'm story fired. that we are not completely diverting from movies because in October 1994, Guns N' Roses recorded a last-minute cover of the Rolling Stones' "Sympathy for the Devil" for the end credits of "Interview with a Vampire." Slash in an interview with the news. This was broadcast
0: like with a vampire
1: but one of those were like they go to his house and interview him in his nice backyard like this is something he didn't murmur to a exec this is something he told
2: the press tom cruise as lestat i don't think so i think it's gonna be pretty lousy but i want to go see the the screening anyways as a favor and uh the stones version was in that uh was in that at the time and uh I thought it's fine because the, the movie bored me to tears. Axel, of course, always being my nemesis, right? Went and saw it and loved it. So he goes, let's do the song. And I thought, well, it'd be a great vehicle to get everybody's creative juices flowing and start getting geared toward the next Guns record. Then Axel went on to do the vocals and brought another guitar player with him. It was a guy from Indiana who I can't stand. And uh, he sort of added a little rhythm guitar in there. There's also a, a little... Answer, uh, little Uh, There's also little answers on my guitar solo, the first one, Uh, there's two solos in the song, the first one, if you listen to it, uh, you'll hear my guitar, then you'll hear this little uh, tinny thing in the background, and uh, see, that pisses me off. As a result, we ended up doing another cover song for a song that didn't need to be covered for a lame movie, and it didn't do anything for the band, so it was an effort made, but an effort that was wasted too.
1: Slash later described the Jesus song as Christ. the sound
2: of a band breaking
1: up. So it's like, <gasps> so Slash oh the God. genius. uh, The same month, the band reconvened to keep writing without Gilby Clark. Wait,
0: wait, re- really quick. When 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 Richard jumped in, I thought he was just doing a bit of Slash hating Tom Cruise's no, he, he was so a like, fucking purist. Tom Cruise as a stat. Please. Completely out of his fucking. You think element. like? Listen, now I love, I love the original. That's what I'm novel. saying. Do you I'm a think big that, vampire guy. Had we
1: novel guy? put a microphone in his face <laughs> in like 2006, he could have said like, Robert Pattinson, he's not pretty enough to be Edward. That's not my Edward. Edward's gotta be shiny my and Edward, gorgeous.
0: My Edward was much taller. <laughs> Let me tell you. And read the book, page
1: 19. They say six one. Honestly, I'll tell you
0: I feel a lot like Bella a lot of the time
1: <laughs> and I think they nailed her. I think Christian's
2: going to do a great job. I, I gave her a call and
0: I think I, Kristen's great. She sounds I ready. Kristen's great. I just don't trust this Harry Potter kid. Uh, yeah,
2: let me tell you about a new book I've been reading. So it's based on these Twilight books. <laughs> right. It started on the internet. <laughs>
0: He spends an hour of this interview <laughs> describing everything that happens in Fifty Shades
2: So Anastasia Steele, right? So, so she's so she.
1: I remember reading the original elevator scene before the website took it
3: down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> slash just because he googled slash fiction. Yeah, that's what say. he...
3: <laughs> you beat me to it.
0: I do, here's the thing, though, is that he was, it does kind of seem like he was like, okay, I didn't like this movie, but honestly, if you're super into it, maybe it'll get us fucking going on the right track again, you know, we'll all have a pint and wait for this thing to all blow over. Yeah. And then this he brings in, like, specifically, it sounds like a guy who, I don't know if I'm picking up the wrong context from this, but it sounds like, like. Slash already hated this guitar player, hundred like percent
1: pre this recording. And this guitar player sticks around so in a big bad Axel just brought
0: way. someone, and Axel is the guitar player. Like he's sort of like, if you ask me to name a payment's guitar player, I would be like, <laughs> yeah, Slash.
2: Why yeah. do you love Sweet Child of Mine? <laughs> right. You know,
0: it's not. It's <laughs> not because of this dude from Indiana. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it's very interesting. Uh that like it like as much as an asshole of slash comes off in this quote, it kinda seems like he wasn't being an asshole in the creative process. Yeah. Which he's just jaded about the this creative process after the fact, which I can it sounds know, can sure. like
2: he love he loves being in Guns N' Roses more than he loves Axl Rose. So he's willing to yeah, like commit no, what like it he, takes to stay in this he just band. Wants to play you know? guitar. It sounds with like a guy he likes being in the
0: band with his friend Izzy and shit. Like yeah. yeah. Like back when there were other people to help wade through the bullshit and it wasn't solely his responsibility to get through to fucking Axl Rose. Mm -hmm. It was like bearable. Yeah. But once it became once, once he had to babysit Axl Rose now, it's like not worth it anymore. Even being the coolest rock star of all time isn't worth working with (laughs) this asshole.
2: (laughs) You don't like ever see people get to that level of fame and still be able to be like, no, this is my job to me still, you know, like, Uh, I think Slash is sort of someone where it feels like fame didn't affect him in the way it affects most people. He's still like, I gotta pay the bills eventually. So if I figure out how to do that, like obviously I still have billions of dollars, but like, so sure, maybe I gotta do do some other shit.
0: For the fucking poofy shirt Tom Cruise movie, I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) The
1: same month as Sympathy for the Devil, the band reconvened to keep writing, this time without Gilby Clark, who was finally sort of for the last time fired. But they were jamming with Ozzy Osbourne guitarist Zach Wilde. And Slash voiced his concerns about having two heavy lead guitars in the band. His concern being that this band and the dynamic musically was always, I'm fucking Slash and everyone else plays guitar as if, get the hell out of my way and play around it and we're going to write cool things that answer each other. Whereas having Zach Wilde is kind of like having two Slashes, two of this thing and he said that a lot of the stuff they worked on was just them playing so the same expli- parts. Explain
0: the concept of a- of like of them answering each other in their well, music. Right. Like, it's, so, uh, it's kind of in that quote too.
1: So like things that fit within a predominant melody. Something like two lead guitarists. I mean, just by definition, a lead guitarist needs to be solo. You have yeah, It's like having have... two
2: quarterbacks, you know. Well, and you it's, and uh, you do it, need it,
1: multiple guitarists it, for a band's like Guns N' Roses or Nirvana or Foo Fighters. Which have many guitars playing really similar parts to create that kind of big sound, but the sort of lead to rhythm to other guitarist energy is like if you have two guys trying to be slash, it's going to be chaos.
2: It's not a symphony if two people are trying to be like the loudest together. It's about sort of working, you yeah. know, and it, like like it's a reason there's multiple bars there. It like having two lead guitarists is like if. Two like if two Tom Brady's walked out onto the football field at the same time and hiked two balls. You know, it's like you still have the same amount what of O-line
3: What
1: a you fucking sense like you just described. Are you fucking it, it, kidding me? Two Tom Brady's?
0: Well it would be it would be <laughs> like putting two giant like it would be like putting like Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise in the same movie. It would just be really That's interview with a vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
3: <laughs>
1: and, t- and if you put Tom Cruise in
0: as Lestat? I don't think so. Um, I like so- the idea of him just being like, like Lestat, Tom Cruise, terrible. Brad Pitt as Louie? Let me sit on that face. <laughs> Anyways, I didn't want to write the song. Um, yeah.
3: So
1: around this time, also, as they bring in this new guitarist. Slash just goes on tour. Slash just goes on tour with the Snake Pit. Uh, he just tours his solo record. Um, and in the spring of 95, Izzy Stradlin starts jamming with Duff McKagan again, after Duff asked him to help writing with the new record. Um, uh, and apparently they recorded 10 demos in a week, which is the fastest thing I've ever heard about Chinese democracy. <laughs> <It's> the Like... <laughs> And, and apparently Izzy's whole thing was like, I just don't want to tour. It's that thing, right, where they need two things to leave. It's like, if I don't tour, then I can handle Axl. Um, Izzy also joined Snake Pit for a song when they were on their tour. Uh, so he played with Slash again. And soon after, uh, Kyle will tell us, Izzy says that he got a phone call from
0: Axel. One night Axel calls me and we get into the issue of me leaving Guns N' Roses. I told him how it was on oh. I told him how it was on my side. Told him exactly how I felt about it and why I left. But I mean, he had a fucking notepad. I could hear him turning pages and going, Ah, well, you said in nineteen eighty two he was bringing up a lot of really weird old shit, and I'm like, whatever, man.
1: Like this is again like coke field crazy.
3: Of just like, I heard you
1: talked to Slash today. Let me confirm with my notes that you said you wouldn't talk to Slash today.
0: In 1982, you said you wouldn't leave the band.
1: Apparently that was the last time Izzy ever spoke to Axl Rose, ending any chance of Izzy (laughs) returning to the band.
0: How often do you think in that conversation Axl used the word perjure incorrectly?
1: Um, yeah, and you think about like how fragile this moment was where if Izzy had come back to the writing process, then relationships between Duff and Slash and Axel could have been so much more at ease, and we might have just gotten a Guns N' Roses album out of it. Um, but Axel just it just didn't happen. Um now as Slash was looking to book another leg on the Snake Pit tour. Uh, it's Five O'Clock Somewhere had turned a profit, selling a million copies. So Geffen Records pulled the plug on any further touring, insisting Slash returned to LA because Axel was ready to begin working with him. Um,
0: so that was a, that was a uh, Slash album that turned a profit, or an
1: Axel yeah, album? Yeah, so, sla- so when Slash, Slash gave those demos to Axel, Axel said no. So he made It's Five O'Clock Somewhere as this side solo project went off to tour it while, you know, Duff and the new guys wrote songs. When that album turned a profit, I think Geffen was like, you need to get back here and start working with Axel because it's the two of you or it's nobody. Um, and when Slash was a little iffy on it, uh, Geffen made it really clear, like, there is no more financial support for your tour. You're coming back to Guns N' Roses. Um... Axel brought in his childhood friend Paul Tobias for rhythm guitar. This was the tinny-sounding guitarist that was brought in for "Sympathy for the Devil." This is the guy from Indiana.
2: I don't, um, I don't like people with two first names, but the audacity no, like, and to make your you know, last name Tobias. Tobias. The ball, the ball, yeah. Tobias.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, this upset <laughs> Duff and Slash, with Slash saying, "It's not like you hire a bunch of session musicians." and make Guns N' Roses. Ironically, this is almost what Chinese democracy ends up being. Um, Through 1996, the band starts writing again, and seemingly it's going well. Interviews, you hear all these interviews, yeah, you know, we just met up this week, or I've been with Guns N' Roses the last three weeks. But the crazy hours, the increasing drug use, and Axel's insistence on auditioning multiple guitarists
2: led Slash to finally break. I woke up and I was suicidal one morning. Literally. I went to dinner with Keith Richards and said, I just, I just left rehearsals. And Keith said, you left? And I go, yeah, man. And he goes, you never leave.
1: Now, that was said in this weird way with, by Slash, more as with Keith going like, you don't do that. That's not how bands stay together. Like, you know, you look at the Rolling Stones, who are clearly experts in
2: dealing with each other. Um, and oh, I think it was Keith Slash... giving advice, being like, dude, you never leave.
1: Yeah, you don't leave Reversal. Yeah, he's,
2: yeah you, you know, that's the one thing you don't do. Because then it's yeah, over. In October, like it breaks the, it's the straw that breaks yeah. the camel's back, you know?
1: And in October 96, Axel confirmed that Slash had quit the band.
2: I was five years old?
1: You had no idea. <laughs> no one fucking told you. <laughs> Not a care you in the could, world. You could have fucking stopped it. Yeah, where,
0: where were you? <laughs> you did nothing. You did that's his
1: nothing. Wahlberg saying he could stop. 9-11 it's like yeah fucking you know if i were a little I, older i could have kept slash if i, if if I was there if i was there if session? i was there in a recording <laughs> session
2: i would have been there i would have been outside that door i would have been like slash no you're stand here you're gonna be you part of guns leave. and roses slash you never leave and guess what we would have chinese <laughs> democracy way earlier and guess what it would have been more topical
0: so now we are in, in a what chinese can... democracy we would have had some american democracy <laughs> <laughs>
1: Um. So, in the beginning of '97, Axe began auditioning drummers, despite the band having Wars. a drummer. Okay. So, despite Which Matt is,
0: Sorum still so being a member this is of the like, band, like how. How is he allowed to? Don't they have contracts that are like I'm the drummer for Guns N' Roses? I think <laughs> Look, you can't just. I think, <laughs> I think if your <laughs> Axl
1: Rose contract is probably better than everyone else.
2: Yeah, I think if your name is Axl Rose in a band called Guns N' Roses, you've got the
0: best contract. Yeah, in the, the, fucking the business, baby. <laughs> Unless your
2: name is Jake Metallica, you're not that getting a better sealed contract. <laughs>
0: It's yeah. Axel Rose and John Guns. That's who created the band.
1: <laughs> Timmy Beatles has a better John... contract, but that's about it.
0: Timmy Beatles! <laughs> Hello, I'm Timothy Beatles, and these are my friends. And we're gonna play you a couple songs today. <laughs> You're fired, Timmy. One, two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Paul, they fi- they you fired me. <laughs> Yeah, no. Get off the stage. Oh, I'm ruined. <laughs> no, I was there. At you least, gotta get off the I stage. Still, at least I still have the love of my life, Yoko Ono.
1: <laughs> hey, how's how you doing? What's your name?
0: <laughs> oh no, everything's bad today. Oh dear, bad day for Timmy Beatles. Uh, <laughs> at least I got my contract. <laughs> <laughs> um
2: so Michael Jackson comes out of nowhere saying no 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 <laughs>
0: <laughs> Guns Man, and Roses. Yesterday all my troubles f- fell so far away God, and Paul's dear. like what was that? He's like, Oh no, I just said uh <laughs> No, write that
1: down, write that down. Then get off the stage. Then you've gotta get off the stage then, and leave Yoko leave. with John.
0: Then you've got you've gotta leave.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um Alright guys, Guns N' Roses also started looking for producers and approached, you guessed it, Moby, who apparently got along great. The Dean with from Axle. Community? Yeah, the Dean from Community, the guy from the Born Identity Songs.
0: <laughs> Moby.
1: Um Moby claimed the music and demos Why that Moby? was Moby. Because well, you gotta remember that this This, this is ninety seven with Axel. It's it's the mid '90s, late '90s. Moby makes
2: sense. Like you're gonna get Moby or Fatboy Slim.
1: Obsessed with electronica and industrial music and Nine Inch Nails. And I think he sees maybe Moby as like, wow, if you combine Guns and Roses with Moby, you get Nine Inch Nails. Um, Moby says that the music and demos that were played for him included a lot of loops and modern electronic like technology, um, possibly referencing specifically the song "Oh My God." An industrial metal song featured in the film *End of Days*, released in 1999, um, the release of which Rolling Stone theorized was a stopgap to pacify fans and offset mounting recording costs. So, "Oh My God" is the one song sort of in between um, *Spaghetti Incident* and *Chinese Democracy* that came out, um, and it seems like that's what Moby was talking about when he was was talking to uh, to Axel. Moby suggested that they quote. Rent a crummy studio on the Lower East Side and spend two weeks in the studio. And at the end of the two weeks to release whatever they've made. Record to tape, don't use Pro Tools, don't use anything. And you make it the way you made Appetite for Destruction. And no one in the Guns N' Roses camp liked
2: that very much. That's because Slash was gone. Slash would have been like, fuck yeah, and would have Airbnb'd yeah. that place already. You know, he would have liked too, been like, yeah. And it's, it's that, and
1: it's also like, you know, when someone's 200 grand into Scientology and then they start seeing weird shit they're not gonna leave like i think you've got so much money invested in this weird electronic album that someone telling you to just make it real quick
2: this month your brain can't admit you fucked up for four years oh i thought you meant there was an actual scientology connection and i was like whoa no no, i just
1: mean like (laughs)
0: yeah yeah i know i get that yeah enough
2: money to where you can't afford to stop believing it's it's all multi-level marketing companies they all do that yeah you know it's
0: well and i think too there's probably a thing for for axel and them of being like no that's how we made music before we made it you know now we make music the right way you know or whatever he thinks that that has become since this happened you know what i mean like i don't know because to me that's like yeah just go do that dude your fans will like that way more anyway and if that fucking doesn't do great, well, it was two weeks of your life. You know what I mean? And like you could rent a studio out for another two weeks and make a new album. Like it's, it's not, <clears throat> that's something that interests me so much about an album being in development. Hell is like, we sort of know how long it should take to make a movie, right? We have a rough guesstimate. We know sort of how it four days that yeah, week should be done, um, we we know how long it, roughly it should take for like a video game right but 3 days a, an album could be 3 days an album is sort of this like like mythical yeah. like who knows like sometimes they're written you know in a in a fit of inspiration in a night and sometimes they're written over the course of 10 years you know like
1: yeah it, and it's also like with movies it's like Step one, you write the you have you, you write the script. Step two, you get a greenlit. Step three, you make the costumes. Albums is step one. You write the album, you know, right. and yeah. it's it's really hard because you are making the. It's one of the more immediate art forms. Music, and I'm sure where, you
0: throw yeah you throw it, away it, so many songs too. Like to get to the songs that they have, there's all these songs that like.
2: Or you do what Drake does, and you just release an album once a month. You know, and you just like dump everything, and you just stays in a studio.
0: wasn't it a uh, well, Woody uh, Allen uh, making a movie ba- a year ba- for like thirty years?
2: yeah, why
0: bass God did a mixtape with eight hundred tracks, like eight hundred and fifty tracks or something <laughs> 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 well,
2: then that's like um, that's like that vault they found when Prince died that hadn't like. 800 songs and they're like he just kept all these and i'm like yeah probably only like 14 of them are good though because that's what you just you just that's keep problem, real is that you know? we
1: discovered that prince mostly wrote bad songs yeah a but, lot of those but, releases- like that's the thing right is that most creatives mostly make bad things mm-hmm. but music it has to like you have to pay the same amount For every step of the process,
2: art. whether you're just figuring shit out or not. Art is just throwing stuff at a wall, and like when something sticks, it sticks, but most of the time, that shit doesn't stick.
0: Honestly, what it sounds like to me is Moby was like, dude, you don't know what kind of album you want to make, and you need two weeks in a recording studio to figure out what the fuck sound you're even trying to get to.
1: Yeah, he's asking, I think he was asking them to become impulsive again. You know, this is the sort yes. of knock on you two, where it, it's this is to become too calculated um, And so by the time it comes out, it does not feel like an extension of you
2: Well, it, it's like when um what rivers Cuomo went to like Harvard and found the formula for the perfect song oh. And just kept pumping it out and it just like broke well, music. And you know about his spreadsheets. Do you know about his spreadsheets? Yeah,
1: like the, the dude's a fucking where nerd. Rivers Cuomo will think of a phrase I don't know if he still does this because listening to his the last few Weezer albums It doesn't seem like it But he was on a stretch where he would think of a phrase. Let's say uh, The light looks so great Right. (laughs) Well, no. So like the light looks so great and he goes the light looks so great That's five syllables and he adds that to his list of five syllable phrases Then he will hum a tune Realized that he needs a five-syllable phrase for this one part, and just goes and finds them, and started writing songs with a spreadsheet. And he even bragged, like, "Yeah, it sounds like I wrote it personally, right?" But I didn't. It was completely mathematical. It's a, it, it's, it's, like, it's all an algorithm. Is so he's like a sad. he's
2: the human Netflix like recommendations algorithm, and he right. figured out that people. I, he
1: was. I really don't think
2: like okay, human
1: seems to have not been written that way. Um... And, and everything will be all right in the end. Like, re- I think he announced he said that in an interview and he became sort of embarrassed by it. So I don't think he writes that way anymore. But yeah, I well, mean, you'll hear certain similar um, similar techniques are employed once they start really recording uh, Chinese democracy.
2: It, it's sort of um, like a uh, Rivers Cuomo unclipped the uh, lapel mic, walked out of the studio and just got fucking swirled by everyone in the music industry for being a yeah. sort of fucking nerd. <laughs>
0: Well, like, my, my fiancé's uncle is a... Uh, Rivers Cuomo? He's a he's, a, he's a... he's Rivers Cuomo. No, he's a... <laughs> uh, he, he's a uh, producer for Springsteen. And mm. he produced for a lot of bands, like Lifehouse and, like, uh, all, you know, different various other bands. Mm-hmm. But
2: They were desperate like, for I've, changes.
0: I've seen, you know, not <clears throat> major bands, but I've seen, like, you know, artists he's working with and seen, you know, the lyrics that they had for their songs before... And then the lyrics that like, he like changes, you know what I mean? And mm. the the tweaks he goes in and makes at like a surgical level to be like, okay, if we end this with like different words and, you know, I, I don't know the terms, so I'm sure there's terms for all of this, but like, if we end this chorus differently, we can lead into a different here. And like, so I, I'm sure that like at a certain level of music production too, it just becomes so done by community. You know what I mean? Done by community, Yeah where it's like there's so many people checking off that this is a uh, Guns N' Roses song that it couldn't possibly be. This used
2: to be a song about a community college.
0: Exactly. This used to be a song about a community college.
1: (laughs) Um, All right, so drummer Matt Sorum, who was still in the band, uh, introduced Axel to guitarist Robin Fink, uh, thinking that he'd be a great new dynamic to lure Slash back into the band with um but Axel just, just but Axel just hired the Fink as Slash's lead guitar replacement. Like Matt Sorum it seems like just wants everybody to get along. Um because this became Matt Sorum's last contribution to the band. Uh cuz in 1977 he was fired for the last time. It seems like everybody was kind of fired and rehired from Guns N' Roses once in their life. It was like a rite of passage. Um But he was fired by Axel after Paul Tobias made a negative remark about Slash and Matt defended Slash. So really, like, Matt just was speaking up for the family, like, here, bring in Robin Fink. We can get Slash to come back because it'll be fun. And just Axel was like, no. Fuck Slash and in fact, fuck you.
2: Wait, so Paul Tobias is that little dude who like whispers evil things little into the Weasley king's Indian. ear? And a guy starts yeah. talking shit about
1: Slash and gets Matt sore of He's like, he speaks lies, master. Punish him. <laughs> his, his top hat is full of deceit, my king. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: um, and <laughs>
0: he's you got that the dude from... chest piece. <laughs> God, God. <laughs> he's like, dude, I love you, you see? <laughs> I don't know uh, who this oh, Richard more, guy is That you have tattooed on it But I'll you know uh, uh, uh,
1: No 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 one more please One more Axel, please
0: One more, one more please
1: um, in, So in August of 1997 Duff McKagan Quit the band uh, Two weeks before the birth of his daughter Later writing in his autobiography It was not fun and that's the reason The reason why I stayed in the band Was to be a bridge between Axel and Slash Guns had been paying rent for a studio for 3 years from 1994 to 1997 and still did not have a single song. The whole operation was so erratic that it just <laughs> didn't seem to fit with my hopes for parenthood for stability. In a final meeting, Duff told Axel he wasn't interested in Axel as a quote dictator. And that was the last time they spoke for almost a decade.
2: Ax- uh, Axel Rose looks like a... more like uh, Axel Rude. <laughs> more like asshole. Rose Axel Rose <laughs> looks like that um that uh, that episode of The Simpsons where Martin gets a pool and everyone leaves him and he's just butt naked in the pool alone. <laughs> 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 it worked out great.
1: God, that worked out great, didn't it? Again, a reference to our first no, episode does... that no one needs to listen to.
0: But yet has is up there our must listen to episode i think uh is that episode Battlefield Earth and uh, and Spider Man into the dark. Uh, the Turn Church of Scientology definitely listened <laughs>
2: to our episode oh, yeah.
1: of Battlefield. And yeah, they heard me mention them but, yeah, once in this there's... episode. They just freaked out. We're gonna get a big bump
0: there's, on this one. There's no way that people look through this catalog and almost thirty percent more of them want to just only Jump listen to Battlefield right into Earth. yeah. Um, so, <laughs> hi Scientology hey, what if you still have to listen Hey if you're the Scientology person That still has to listen to this podcast But oh, we man. haven't mentioned it and, and us mentioning it now Is going to force you to have to listen to We the just re-upped you for episode. two more
1: months <laughs> Oh man you know what Take a break
0: you're <laughs> piece of shit.
1: Listen bud go watch some. you little
3: y- piece of shit <laughs>
1: You you turn us down. You watch you watch what you want to watch for the next hour. We are not going to talk about you. Yeah. Um, We're not
0: going to talk about Scientology again. But suck my butt.
1: So by the late '90s, Axel Rose had gained a reputation as a major recluse, with fellow musicians and music reporters not really even knowing where he is or what he's up to.
0: So him and his little henchmen, like, they retreat <laughs> up into the tower and they're like, well, if we can't make on shitty them the way we... No one's even stopping them from doing anything, are they? They're just, like, not no, doing anything. No, they're just
1: not doing it.
0: Or they keep doing it. They're not stopping. Um, like, what February... is Axel's whole vibe through all of this? Because it seems like everybody just keeps being like, Well, let's get Axel ready again. And is Axel, does he want to do, does he have feelings or thoughts or is he just like... I think that here's my... So from digging into a lot of this...
2: The guitarist tells lies, my king.
1: This is a round where I can source our awesome YouTube source. Uh, So shout out to them as we wave them goodbye. But like, it seems like from that and this other digging I was doing, Axel, I think... And maybe some people around him thought he was on a sort of Pet Sounds journey, where he Mm. thought he had the perfect album in his head and needed it to happen. And when you look at Guns N' Roses, where they have this insanely perfect masterpiece out the gate, they release these smaller albums, live albums, a cover album, there's a lot of pressure on him. And it only mounts more when the success of Guns N' Roses falls only on his shoulders. There's now no more Slash. There's now no more Duff McKagan. There's, there's only him to but sort of as protect a But
0: as a fan, at this point, don't you kind of know the writing on the wall is that this is going to suck? I mean, like, I don't think he's so an because... Asshole, or, like, how plugged in is the, the, the general... Well, a the lot of people is, is crazy into system. it.
1: The, but you have to remember two things. During this, grunge is taking off. Mm-hmm. so nirvana I, and pearl jam I was and these have have owned the airspace but also i mean you look at bands like uh paramore i mean these are different kinds of genres but paramore or panic at the disco where a lead singer sort of assholes their way into being a solo project and fans are just as engaged with what might come next i think perversely to see if it goes wrong or right like you know, at that point, you yeah. have people going, "Well, it was always Axel who was the genius. This is just going to prove it."
2: And uh, you know, that's it's, what, it's
1: like why, why, why Patriots fans will root like just root for the Buccaneers just to prove that Tom Brady was great. You know what uh, I mean? Or it answers you need that
2: to qu- believe right, in right. your guy. It answers that question that people always ask of like, "What would Nirvana look like now?" And it would be just Kurt Cobain, like trying to hold an image together that he didn't want. And I think, like, weirdly, Kurt Cobain saw that happening and was like, fuck that, bro. You yeah. know, he's like, there's no, like, in his head, he probably saw no other way out in that option. And that's, like, that's another thing of, like, Axel was being treated the same way, like, Kurt Cobain was in that time of Kurt was, like, known as a guy that could just sort of stop everything in the middle of recording to go run in the corner and actually write the next good song. And mm. like they treated, uh, they treated Axel as if he was that same type of dude. And like I sort of like that sort of became what happened in the industry was, oh, that dude who writes your songs is that guy who does that, you know. But Axel was treating himself that way too, because he That's wanted to be Axel Axel he wanted to be a guy himself. who could only Chinese get it out democracy. by kill himself, you know, like uh, because it's right, either you kill yourself the, or you make Chinese democracy. <laughs> That's yeah. what happens, you know? You like either, now look, you either, you're either so die so you're a, put it out there. Your career. Yeah. To, to anybody listening, those are not your only two options. You you no, reach, yeah. you call a friend. No, no, yeah, like yeah. call a yeah. call call a slash. Um <laughs> uh, what, what what I'm saying is like it, it's that whole like you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Sure. Like Christopher Nolan thing of like Chinese democracy is the villain right here. You know, like Chinese Axel democracy Rose, is the tenet. It's the tenet. Yes, it's a, it's sort of Axl Rose becoming the villain of himself and sort of taking himself down in his later years. You know, like he's not revered as like a cool dude anymore.
1: By February of ninety eight, Guns and Roses manager Doug Goldstein tell uh, told Rolling Stone that the band had recorded more than three hundred hours of material, and that they each would take a CD home, listen for parts they like, pick them out, and that's how they would build songs. Some things were three (laughs) seconds long, some were three minutes long. A studio engineer, Kyle will tell us,
0: recalled... Sometimes it was just like a guitar lick. Oh, that's cool. They were then transferred to a CD, and then everything had an ID and a number then the CDs were made for each member of the band and they'd go oh okay on set four, cd3 item 15 let's do something like that and then everybody would take their CDs and write down their parts now
1: eventually axel accumulated over 1000
2: CDs so i think that chinese democracy would have been made a lot easier if they had a cloud and this is just them not having a cloud 100% no not 100% you know, it's it's like the music gets made music gets made like this now and it's only hard because they
0: had to do an analog.
1: But this is like some Rivers Cuomo shit of like Set this Four is, CD no, this Three
0: Idea Fifteen. This 15? is deeper, yeah. Set That's four crazy. Set CD Three Idea Fifteen is like yeah. the fact that they had to create that deep of a and according of a system.
1: Yeah, and according mm-hmm. to like Doug Goldstein, <laughs> Set Four CD Three Idea Fifteen is like it's like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> And it's, then they have to go home and write the drum part to
0: that. They, they don't. They that that is a corporate entity trying to quantify a creative process. Mm-hmm. Right where that creative process used to be, all those thousand CDs were Slash and Izzy and just hanging out and Axel sitting in a room, fucking doing licks and being like, "Oh, that thing you did fifteen minutes ago, what was that?" Well, that and little but a quote, no no thing. It's and then a they quote that, that I like, removed. You know, like,
1: that I didn't include in this, but it was Slash speaking to that, where it was like, "When we got back with like Gilby Clark and everybody, we were forcing ourselves to be a family, and that was never something we had to force before. It used to just be like we would just have our tracks, like exactly Kyle's saying, like Slash. That's exactly what happened. Um, now, so yeah, as I said, eventually, uh, Axel had a thousand of these CDs. Um, in 1999." Uh, this is again uh 8 years or I'm sorry 9 years before this album comes out. Axel puts the project on hold to re-record Appetite for Destruction with the intent for using newer recording techniques to quote spruce up that so- those songs. But the recordings were never released. He was interviewed with Kurt Loder who was like wait, what did you just fucking say you were re-recording appetite this is another example of like a creative who just can't admit what he's doing isn't good so he just goes like okay let's um let's use what we're doing to again like like uh, brian wilson developing recording techniques to make pet sounds i think axel thought he was doing that and wanted to test them on music he
2: knew was good man there's, like, having it and, like, knowing it, which is, like, Brian Wilson, where you have it, you know, and you know it. Then there's having it and not knowing it, which is, like, making, like, a regular album. But this is not having it and not knowing it.
1: Yeah, you can't have that. That can't be the race, <laughs> no, 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 that, That's, like, ugh. Uh. Um, so, Axel, at this point, uh, I think in 99, finally announced the title. There's
0: a lot of Chinese democracy movements. And it's something that there's a lot of talk about. And it's something that will be nice to see. It could also be an ironic statement. I don't know. I just like the sound of it. Guys. So what's
1: the title? That is like a fucking Trump tweet. Like he
0: opens That it, is so, that is such a bizarre where he's, yeah, he opens he talks it like. He himself out hey, of his bullshit People fake People are talking idea. about this. Everybody's talking about this. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Eyes like how it sounds. goobly-glop words, you know? Yeah. Or the most important thing ever. Who knows? It'll be cool to see. Exactly. Like, he can't what?
1: admit that this is a. <laughs> d- he just thought these this sounded cool. Not having it. it not knowing it, you know? Yeah, That's yeah, what exactly. that it,
3: <laughs> He's
1: He tried to sell it and heard himself say it's something that there's going to be a lot of talk about. <laughs> like, it's a
0: Chinese democracy
2: so- based on the novel Push by Sapphire.
0: I guess this is as good a time as any to uh, also just put it in perspective that uh, axel Rose Axel does believe a Chinese cult um, as yeah which comes up in the eventually first song. um I, I'll say it that
1: uh, okay cool that that this album was banned in China because it was because of its perceived criticism of the Chinese government and its reference to fallen gong. The Communist Party of China said through media that it, quote, turns its spear point on China. Now, we luckily have a resident expert on Falun Gong, uh, and, which is referenced in the title track, Chinese Democracy.
0: Yeah, uh, if you guys want to check it out, I did do like a 24 minute deep dive uh, video essay on Falun Gong. But
1: <laughs> Plug for this show, there, there are nowhere
2: comments. to be found in that little ditty. <laughs> It's it's in the it's in the description. Um, it's only in his first so, episode. You think
1: people uh, click see more?
2: People uh, click it. I see click see more butts, baby. Hey, uh, <laughs> I'm always looking no, for butts.
0: But, but following Gong is a uh, is a cult. Uh, they're they're a propagandic cult. Um, and uh, you know, it is interesting to see to see him sort of fall for it. I, I do think it was kind of before. It was very evident that it was a cult, at least in the West. Uh,
2: it was just a movement at that point, and it felt like cool to be in. Right,
0: probably, I guess. You know? I mean, what year was this probably?
2: 99. Like
0: 99. Yeah, it was a movement then.
2: You know, moment. it was just so, like a...
0: And it had just been banned in China, so wh- it was it, like pretty new. Um, that that was
2: during the like that dude who shot himself like uh, in the middle of the square, right?
0: he lit himself on fire
2: it, that's yeah. what it is yeah and like around that time so that was like yeah. it felt that it felt like music is anarchy and it always had been at that moment you know especially with the right. music he's trying to make so like he's like what's the anarchy nobody's talking about that fucking shit baby
1: it is important to say
2: that like maybe the
1: well, idea this, was this in his head is- but he didn't it seems like the title track wasn't recorded until uh, like a couple years before the album came out so like mm-hmm. mid 2000s instead of Back in 99. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Well, I mean, like, saying Chinese democracy just feels like he is just like, I guess we voted, but we didn't at the same time, you know? And it's not like any other thing, like,
0: deeper than Yeah, I mean, also, like, the idea of democracy in China, like, also probably isn't the, like, democracy's not doing great over here. Yeah. But, uh, (laughs) like... But again, that's, like, a middle school thing. We're a very socialist podcast. He learned a fact, and now that's his whole energy. (laughs) Um <laughs> right, right. Now in No, I do I do think that uh that that like as a as a statement it is wild to to like make the statement in your song and then never really come back to like it. the album never answers no. to any of no it never has a point it ends on a whole thing of being like why should i prostitute myself sell my art why do i do this you, you don't even like it and then people didn't <laughs>
1: like if this comes like chinese democracy he he lands on the truth which is that that sounds like a cool name for an album but if you're going to do it half-hearted, it is not a great concept for an album, especially if you're really only going to do it for half of a first song.
0: Yeah. Well, that's the thing is that song, that first song, it like starts with like the chatter of like Chinese people in a city or so, in a village or something. And then it like, I'm like, okay, so we're going like concepty kind of for this. 100%. And I, then they like talk about you and then never again. <laughs> I listened to
2: this album like fully today. And then... Another song and then like that chatter started and I was like, This this album's still going. Yeah. But the song And I looked and I was like, it just like it just started again. It just like the whole album. Yeah. That the title
1: track is a whole fucking road trip of a song. Like it is a whole weekend. Between that and Shackler's Revenge, you need a fucking cigarette.
2: You need to take a breather. How do you guys feel about Street of Dreams?
0: Street of Dreams kinda good.
2: Street of Dreams is the last good Street song on Dreams. the album.
0: Street after of Street Dreams of Dreams everything good. trash. Cuz I was when I was listening to Street of Dreams I'm like this kind of sounds like Guns N Roses almost, you know? And then everything after that sounds like a bad Greta Van Fleet album.
2: Which look, most Greta Van Fleet <laughs> albums are that, but that's
0: not Well either they
2: they they're, they're Kmart Led Zeppelin. <laughs>
0: Right. I I like a fleet. Hey, we but all do I here on this podcast.
2: On that hill. <laughs> hey, I've um, shopped at Kmart.
0: We're all we're all fleet. We're, we all live on Fleet Street. We're all Fleet Foxes we're all over Demon here, Barbers right? Here.
2: We all be sending fleets. Be on the tweets, sending fleets.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Listen, guys. In November of 1999, <laughs> Axel played several tracks for Rolling Stone uh who likened the new sound to quote Led Zeppelin's Physical Graffiti remixed by Beck and Trent Reznor <laughs> which again it sounds like uh it, Axel is getting to what he's talking about you
2: could sell me good. on that um you know like you, yeah uh, like saying that is yeah, pretty
0: they're just decent. they're just doing blank meets blank well yeah, yeah those are like th- hollywood th- pitch yeah
2: yeah th- those are just words at that point that's like saying you know the next marvel series we want is an x-file show based on darcy and jimmy woo you know and you're like who are those people
1: sure. it's, it's finding out that like scarlet witch is in the second doctor strange you're like I-, I can only take that as far as i can take it you need to show me what that actually
2: is yeah, and it's it's like there being
1: a war machine TV show. Yeah, there won't be a war machine TV go- show, guys. It's around this time that <laughs> Oh My God is released. Uh, just for for so kind of the usher song in the middle of their of the development of this album. There's one original uh, Guns N' Roses song that gets released in the soundtrack of a movie. Um, Have you guys seen that movie? Okay.
0: So that's why it's in the soundtrack of what movie? End End of of Days. days. And again,
1: Rolling Stone theorized that this was just sort of like to account for the cost of of recording the album, as well as giving fans like a We Still Exist shout out. I was
0: just going to say, I wonder how much labels do that with like hedging the cost of production or something with like, oh, well, we can also put we can have them cover this 80s song in a spy kids movie and that'll that'll <laughs> right. cover the base part well of
2: it. you know like it's like back then uh like the soundtrack was impor- as important as the movie you know it's like yeah, you soundtrack didn't soundtrack
0: sales used to be a big deal Late 90s, you did like kind of post sell-
2: you didn't sell a Will Smith movie without there being a track.
0: Right, or without You didn't, like, Wild, Wild West. You
1: think about, like, Freddy vs. Jason, or in that era of movies, like, Resident Evil and Underworld. Freddy vs. Jason unlocked,
2: like, metal for me.
1: But the trailers <laughs> would always end with a title card that said, like, with new music from Evanescence and fucking, Nino, you know, and Power yeah, Man it's 5, like Man 5000. Yeah,
2: and you got psyched. Um... And that was a thing that was bundled with it because like they wanted, because album sales were part of the deal. Yeah. And, you know, and it was like a, because and that was, and that was like sales. a, several new member, members left at this point.
1: Members, um, uh, including Bember drummer, bending Rodriguez. This includes drummer, Josh freeze, producer, Sean Bevan and guitarist, Robin Fink, who even leaves
2: to join nine inch
0: nails. <laughs> He saboteur.
2: Well, it's it, it's oh, like yeah. Ava DuVarnay leaving Marvel and leaving Black Panther to go make a DC movie to do. Yeah.
0: It, it, <laughs> um, well, now, my now is the and, galaxy brain conspiracy theory that Nine Inch Nails had him in as a uh, saboteur from as a, the get uh, Mole, keep him down. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> we find out him that him Robin spirit. Fink was constantly spilling water on the
2: boards.
0: Yeah. he <laughs> 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 WHAT DO YOU MEAN YOU LOST CD38?!
2: <laughs> I don't know! <laughs> He's just driving home with a um, fake mustache
1: on. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he rips it off. <laughs> Alright, <laughs> when are we going on tour, boys?
0: Hey fake! why um, are your nails so January long? In January 2000... <laughs> no reason. Ignore them. <laughs> what if that was their gimmick? They all had nine-inch hits?!
3: <laughs>
1: All right. Are you going to find base hey, with nine Scientologist listening in? <laughs> Turn the volume up for that joke.
0: <laughs> oh, just just imagine. Just imagine. <laughs> <like>, uh, again. <yeah. laughs> just
2: Trent Resner with the nails of a DMV secretary. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. Come on,
2: can't have God, gloves like it. that during COVID. <laughs> and break through the gloves.
0: Oh Look like Freddy Krueger. <laughs>
2: <The> whole band. <laughs> Look like you got a. Looks like the whole band got a bag of bugles.
0: <laughs> band of bugles on History Channel. <laughs>
1: Listen, Doug Goldstein, he was the... Produ- Isn't he the he dude the who produced Entourage? No, guys, come on. No, he was Guns N' Roses' manager, and he said that the album was 99% done. In, in November of 1999. Oh, I'm sorry, in January of 2000.
2: What a fucking
1: uh, Said that the album was 99% done, and was set for a summer 2000 release. However, with this so apparently was being true, that it that it's, <laughs> it's 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 apparently true that it's done. Axel hired because a, a producer had just quit. Axel hired queen producer Roy Thomas Baker. And Roy Thomas Baker convinced Axel to re-record everything.
2: Well, he so he did what Moby couldn't do. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the <laughs> British accent gets you pretty fucking far. Um, no, I, I I don't my my theory there is that he saw crazy in Axel's eyes and was like, "You're offering me a gig to finish this album. It looks like I can convince you to pay me for three months or or eight years of work. You know what I mean? Like it looks like I can." I don't know. I, I don't want to disparage on anybody, but it, I, it seems like an insane thing to say. You should re-record everything.
2: Be like, I don't know, man. It sounds like you had somebody pouring water on the boards for eight years, and then he went to nine-inch nails. <laughs> What's with the lack of nail clippings around here?
0: <laughs> now, the the songs are okay, but there is this tinny guitar in the background of all of them can we Sounds take that real, out like when an
1: we, indiana asshole wrote that shit.
0: it's so, sort of a like a yeah like an indiana based guitar lick
1: <laughs> he pulls his mask off and he's slash yeah. <laughs> um so speaking of which that spring puts a tap on, on hired, top hat on and he's slash Axel <laughs> hired that spring a guitarist bucket head he hired uh, Buckethead? To, release, uh, to replace Fink. Now, Buckethead's eccentric stage persona, which was wearing a blank white mask and a KFC bucket on his head, made him a, quote, negative image of top-hatted, easygoing Slash. And rumors spread that Buckethead was actually Slash in disguise. Oh, does Slash <laughs>
2: just push the bucket down a little more? <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. It's just he's so, he's de- he's devolved into just no top hat, just a KFC bucket. All that so hair would for, not fit so in a KFC bucket. Me, no, is no, no,
0: Buckethead already a known entity. Is <laughs> buckethead. Yes, sort he of is. Enter
1: <laughs> Buckethead. Um, was sort of like a a like a claimed Prague guitarist. Like he he's one of those guys that like he's it's not like a band he's just in everybody's album yeah he has he's collaborated with like uh like uh uh, like on avant-garde shit and but he's like with Serge Tankian's solo album after System of a Down. He's played with Iggy Pop. He's played with. He's like, a guy. Ben's Nectar, like he yeah. works on electronic
2: music. He's a guy who um, will like tour with you on your tour, and like it just sounds cool that he's doing it because he just like loves it for the art, the, like art mm-hmm. sake of playing guitar and being a fucking weirdo. Uh, I had this. Well, like, and we're gonna get into some he, weirdo shit that Bucketheads pulling. I um the uh, the uh, this one summer I got really into just watching uh, VH1 behind. Behind the Musics, and I watched a uh, Buckethead Behind the Music once. Wild.
0: He reminds me of, like, independent pro wrestling gimmicks of, like, someone who just mm-hmm. is really talented and then has, like, a really, really crazy gimmick that everyone is just kind of into. Like, there's a guy on the indies right now who's not, like, signed to any major company, I don't believe, but uh he's, he's just called Luchasaurus, and he wears, like, a prosthetic, like... <laughs> dinosaur jowls kind of and he's like was a luchador raised by dinosaurs is his gimmick but he's just kind of fun if people like him
1: I'm just happy for him yeah. <laughs> I just want him to keep going
0: Me
1: too. I'm just glad it seems like he's got some friends um, which is my mom's review Shut of up. this <laughs> podcast which is I'm just glad you're having fun with your friends <laughs> Um, you're too so- mean to that Richard guy Listen, guys. After My see, no, mom's she, like, says, you're not mean she says, "amp it up." Yeah, she says, "amp
2: it up." she doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. <laughs> Richard, Richard. Well, now Richard I know that's stopped. not true, Kyle. <laughs>
1: um, after seeing Robin Fink's, uh, so after seeing Robin Fink perform with Nine Inch Nails at the 1999 VMAs, Rose threatened to remove Fink's parts from the album, leaving Fink to rejoin the band. So wait so did he like
2: so did he like hold fink. a bunch of Duh, he, Fink's back. he held a bunch of like
0: reels yeah, so up back. With, with like a knife and was like if you don't
2: fucking do it i'll fucking do it bro i'll
0: fucking yeah, do got, it i've got i've got, I've got yes. CDs 600 through 1000s so you yeah. need me
1: i'll fucking delete set six cd nine idea 14 i know you love that thing
2: there's no way robin fink and axel rose didn't fuck right like you don't oh, spend no, this much fucking right now. You don't dedicate this much time to somebody like creatively unless you also just like got it in. Oh, hell yeah, done. No. You got it in, you got it out. Uh,
0: two in the fink, <laughs> one in the stick. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so here we go.
1: We're back to something we alluded to in the beginning. Producer Roy Thomas Baker felt that Freeze's drums needed to be re-recorded. Remember Freeze had left the band. Um as they sounded, as Roy Baker said, too industrial, and the newly added drummer Brian Mantilla described them as sounding too digital and electronic. Now, again, these are just—that's the opposite, that, right? That's what I'm saying is that these are things that Axel has been trying to get this album to sound like. But Axel, feeling like the album should reflect the energy of those who worked on it, agreed to re-record the drums. But the—that's so is weird. That apparently, freeze. Freeze's parts were great, they just didn't like the production of it. So Axel had Mantia learn Freeze's parts note by note. Mantia had the parts transcribed and then played through a teleprompter. Now this, of course, was an eight-month process, which resulted in a hybrid of his and Freeze's parts and styles. Mantia, of course, was replaced. But his replacement, Frank Ferrer, only appears on the title track. The rest of the album is a hybrid of Mantia and Freeze's parts and styles.
2: So, if we're still comparing this to like pet sounds and what happened with Brian, uh, like May, uh, like the thing is, Axl Rose doesn't have perfect pitch. I think he's is what like all of,
1: singer he's so incredible have that to is give props that's fine do
2: but Brian May can walk in or Brian Wilson right Brian May is the other guy
1: Brian May is the character from Bohemian Rhapsody Brian Wilson is the yes character <laughs> that's what University. I mean yeah
2: Brian Wilson is the character who can walk into a room and know which instrument is out of tune sure
3: and, and, you know, and, and, who's not, and I, see, I don't I think do Axel
2: think, can do that because he's he focused be on to. none of the instruments doing that. And who I feel knows? like <sighs> that—that's like. But if you want to be Brian Wilson, that's who you have to be. Is that guy that can be like? You're kind of doing it wrong, man. Let well, me pick it up real quick drummer, and do it for you. you
0: say in spite, like as someone who is a trained drummer, like, like what, what 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 does that mean? Like, what do you see as a drummer when you when you look at that?
1: well i mean i understand that and you hear certain stories like this with drum parts um being re-recorded or swapped in i think that the instinct with drums is it seems so possible to people you can everybody whether or not they can sing can sing a drum part they can go you know i think that it's really easy to dictate drums to a drummer uh and when someone has the right, maybe, part, but not the right sound. And again, obviously, we, we go back to our very first quote that Axel has. He's obsessed with how these drums need to sound, and he keeps going into it. Um, I understand going, look, I love these drum parts, but we don't like how they were recorded. Bring your own shit to it, but pretty much do what we've done before. That's just an extension of people thinking that drums
2: are a, a, a noteless... Uh, it, instrument which they it, aren't. which is wrong. It's drums are what guide any song. You know, well, with drums are what makes songs emotional.
1: I it, think it, drums it, I, are what makes songs it, have have like like you said drive, like what it, what, it, what 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 can what can contextualize drums contextualize music in a more present tense than any other instrument where the second you hear a certain drum sound or beat, you understand what the song is doing faster than a a phrasing on guitar, bass, or vocals. Uh, and because of that, it's more instinctive for someone like Axl Rose to say, no, do it like this because it's exactly how it is in my head.
2: Whereas you can only imagine a bass part so far. Well, it's anytime like anyone says, like, what defines a song, like lyrics can be poetry at the end of the day, but a song is rhythm and beat you know and it's like it's all of that and where do you follow that like when i was in marching band it was follow the drums if you want to if you ever get off beat if you ever don't know where you're going in the song or where you're supposed to go because you're lost come back to the drums because they'll get you there it's very
1: easy for someone like axel rose to dictate how he wants the drums to sound um uh but it is not it 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 is not an emotionless and detached as, as an emotionless and detached instrument as people think it is
0: well and and that's sort of what I wanted to kind of get to the bigger thing of is it, it seems like Axel <clears throat> is sort of under the impression <coughs> that he could that that he's sort of the only the the magic sauce here, right like he like you were saying he has this like genius thing in the 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 microcosm that has like ar- arisen around him and it just feels like this is an extension of like <clears throat> oh no like if he could he would be like oh copy that let's shift it let's shift an instrument let's you know what i mean yeah. like it like but it, in this like analog way he has to be like okay learn this transcribe these exactly play it like this i just want it changed like and he's not He's not he's so detached from any actual creative collaborative process It's the
2: difference of saying I am guns and roses versus we are guns and roses sure. and this but whole time is He is saying gone. I am gun. Yeah, he's like I am the only one left. So like it's a true fact. I am guns and roses It's like how um uh. Bruce Willis is die hard. There's no more mm-hmm. John
1: McTiernan there's no more. There's. It's him, and because of that, they're getting worse. They're Becoming, same thing with the Terminators. Yeah,
2: you know, which, like which Arnold has, has, still has to been to a be. bit of a.
1: Uh, the Terminators have been more of a like an orphan going from home to home. You know, one day they'll find the right parent. They found it twice. Just let him live.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. So. In February of 2001, Jimmy Iovine, the head of Geffen Records, invited Tom. Now, this is a name I'm not positive on, but it's Tom. I'm going to say it's Tom Zuto or is Tom Zutat. How do we feel like? The, the Indian guy did not give me a pronunciation. Tom Zutopia. All right. So in February 2001, Jimmy Iovine invited John, Tom Zutopia Zutow? to help. I Guns think it's Zutow. Roses uh, okay, so... Zutout. I'm gonna go back and... Zut out. um He was the A&R guy who had discovered the band and sort of guided them through the recording of all their previous albums. Um He had been fired. He was one of these, like, fired, rehired guys with Rose, and Iavine got him to make up with Axel Rose. Now, Axl to- told uh, Zootopia of his frustrations in finding the sound he wanted. Uh, for example, he had instructed the production to recreate the drum sound from Nirvana's Nevermind. Again, he's in 2001, and he's still fighting with Nirvana. Um, he, but he wasn't getting what he's he He's still wanted. fighting with a... That's a 10-year-old
2: album. <laughs> no, I know... Uh, 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 Foo Fighters have made a couple albums at this point. And yeah, Scissor Sisters are out by then. Like, Queens of the Stone Age is, like, popping up so soon, right? <laughs> like intervention, the team created the sound to Axel's
1: satisfaction. And after having Zuto approved by Axel's personal psychic, whom Rose believed could assess auras from photographs, Axel arranged from, for Geffen what? to pay Zuto, no. quote,
2: whatever it takes. We have to go over this personal psychic yeah, situation. have Rose more on that this person... business decision with his personal psychic.
0: <laughs> that person made so much fucking money. Can we just say This
1: probably still makes so much fucking money?
2: Probably,
0: it's gonna be another
2: bad year,
0: Axel you think she just like gets paid per tarot card just like what if it's yeah. just what, uh, it? what if it's just Fink in a different wig like <laughs> oh my master you must understand <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> the future beholds. oh look at this he keeps his hands under the table
2: it's, it's two princes upside down yeah. that means your moon is reversed which means in this house you are going to have good luck and good fortune in this thing but don't trust anyone named Chris with your oh. monetary value oh.
0: Length of my nails, good sir.
2: Also, the drums sound fine. (laughs) Maybe these nails may be nine inches, but according to my girlfriend, that's three. Maybe you guys
0: re-record it all. (laughs)
2: Listen, by this point, Buckethead had left,
1: following uh, disagreements with Baker, the producer.
0: (laughs) Where's Buckethead? There's just there's just a bucket sitting on the couch and he picks it up. He's like, it's so cold. He must be gone for hours.
2: <laughs> just like a detective comes by and just puts two fingers on it. Fuck. It's been four hours. Oh man.
1: <laughs> so Zuto persuaded Buckethead uh to rejoin by installing a giant chicken coop in the studio for Buckethead to work in, with furniture, straw, (laughs) chicken wire, and rubber chicken parts. Only assistant engineers were allowed to enter the chicken (sighs) coop to adjust microphones. And Richard's gonna help me out with this, because Axel's assistant, Béta Lébé, or Lébis, downplayed the coop, saying, quote,
2: it didn't cost money or anything. Think about it. It's just wire. It's something you do in three or four hours just for fun to play a joke on somebody.
1: Now, however, according to Zuto, the coop caused friction when Buckethead began using it to watch you don't hardcore say. pornography.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> out Buckethead! Buckethead! Buckethead head rips where he's like yo i quit and they're like you can't quit he's like bet all right i want a chicken coop and porn and i'm gonna do that at work and they're like uh, i don't care I don't if
1: it if bums out Axel Rose, Rose. Like, and you're not he's allowed like,
0: come on ask the assistant it takes four hours tops
1: <laughs> well that's what that's what i'm saying is that the assistant goes it was nothing it was a joke you don't come back to a band that you quit because of a prank. This goop clearly meant something.
2: No, like
0: Buckethead is a troll and I love him. Dude, I was just like you know hear what? The phone call where they were like they were like we might have to offer Buckethead more salary, we might have to give him more on the back end and he's like I want the goop. I want I'm talking wire, rubber parts. <laughs>
1: Axel had a couple of wolf dogs, three-quarter timber wolf and one-quarter dog, and during the recording, the dogs had puppies. Now, when Zato's daughter came to the studio, Axel offered to give her a puppy as she'd recently lost her dog. A couple of days later, he brought the puppy, which ended up shitting in the chicken coop. Now, because no one was allowed in the chicken coop, they waited for Buckethead to come in so that they could get the his permission to clean it up. So Buckethead shows up later to work on his parts, and he's miked up so he can record, and they hear through the speaker, quote, oh, I love the smell of dog poop. Now, Richard's going to help us say that Roy Thomas Baker uh, of this moment said this.
2: Well, Bucket, we'll get it cleaned up, and Bucket says, don't take it away. I love the smell of dog poop. Leave it right here. Don't let anybody touch it. Three days later, the studio stinks to high having a dog poop. And finally, the studio could not bear it and had to clean it up and had it cleaned up. When Bucket came in the next day, he was like, where's my dog poop, man? And told them not to clean it up and was generally bummed out that it had been cleaned up. And in the meantime, the wolf puppy poop had inspired him for a few days to do some great work. <laughs> You know, like he had been just like really just going through. It. He'd been fucking. I mean, we got some good jams out of those couple of days with the dog poop.
0: And in the meantime, the wolf puppy poop had inspired
2: him. For a few days. Is that not fucking crazy? <laughs> that like we got some sick riffs out of that dog poop week. Let me tell you. No- let me tell you, like, uh, the Wolf puppy, Poop really, like, it, it inspired him. He made Street of Dreams.
0: Ugh. You know, honestly, right after. I, like, maybe. The, the oh, thing I think, we,
2: like. We recorded. Let me tell you that, like, uh, if you told me that uh, this album was made. Near dog with wolf, Like, wolves fucking in the background. Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm shitting and fucking <laughs> and pissing and. <laughs> on a guy named Buckethead like,
2: Who loved <laughs> that, like, it major- Majority of this album Was made in a chicken coop While dogs Fucked and shit
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're like Yeah no I, I totally Hear it
0: we go back to the axel rose quote and he's like why is it called chinese democracy and he's like I really just thought it was a good name for the sounds of dog shitting <laughs> 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 i gave one to around track five
2: daughter. you can really you can really sense the dog shit <laughs> dude in this album it's like, oh my god <laughs> i just want to know if uh, i i just want to know what parts of this album are chicken coop cuts like, I want to, like, release the coop cut. Like, is it, is it this I love? Is it Catcher in the Rye? Is it Riot in the Bedwinds? Is it, is it IRS? I gotta know. IRS has
0: a distinct, there is dog shit in the room <laughs> to it, doesn't it?
2: Let me tell you, there was a time as a definite dog fuck jam, and, uh, <laughs> and
0: Iris is the definitive
2: They <laughs> <laughs> were gonna
1: call it dog fuck democracy, uh, it just sounds cool
0: I feel bad for that dog that got fucked by the wolf though, that's, that's probably <laughs> scary <laughs>
1: <laughs> Listen guys, so okay, this is the one, I mean it's a long <laughs> But that's the only way to make a Balto I know, dog- <laughs> that's what they taught me <laughs> period um but like from 2001 to 2009 i feel like this is where um i'm sorry (laughs) i grow up uh this is where like i think we start hearing about this as a mythic album we uh we start hearing a, a different version of the same thing annually which are it's almost done and it should be ready by blah 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 Uh, they start playing a couple live shows, uh, you know, in 2000, I think one or two, they play their first live show of, in a decade, um, at like the house of blues in Las Vegas, where they play, you know, one or two new songs here or there, but they're not touring. And everyone is saying, again, it's almost done. It should be ready by blah, blah, blah. I I just worked on it. It's going to be awesome. Axel is a perfectionist. He's making the perfect album for you guys, but you're, we're hearing this every year with no new so, progress there no one's showing songs to rolling stone no one is is leaving the band or coming into the band it's just like what is happening and this is when we start to so that to read about the greatest album that never
2: that house of blues happened. show um i uh i had just moved back to like america from like living in korea for a while and I had heard that Guns N' Roses had, like, a concert going on, and I had, like, begged my parents for months to let me go to this. This was January 1st, 2001. Oh, no, no, I thought, oh, no, no, because there is a Guns N' Roses. Oh, no, it's the Chinese Democracy Tour, then, where I begged my parents to go, then found out that it was $200 a ticket.
0: And your your parents your parents (laughs) parents are like, like, the tickets are too expensive, Buckethead's not even that into it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it it was, no, no, here's the thing, like, (laughs) It After
2: was a stage as a chicken it, covered it, in shit. It was a huge fight with my parents. And really? at no point at the at no point did my parents let me know that the tickets were like fucking bananas expensive and that was the issue. They're protecting you. From what? Like, just tell me it's wow. too expensive, and I probably would have been like, okay. In two thousand
1: six, <laughs> uh, Axel said that Guns N' Roses had thirty-two songs in development. And in 2008, confirmed the titles of 10 of uh, ten songs. Um, so it's starting to whittle down finally from, you know, three, 300 hours, 1,000 CDs. And in January of 2007, Rose recorded the final vocal tracks and mixing began. In September of 2008, Shackler's Revenge, the second song on the album, appeared on Rock Band 2. Which I didn't realize was as crazy as it was. Because that was technically the first official release from the band since 1999's Oh My God. So they release a single on a soundtrack. Ten years later, they release the next single from their actual album
2: on Rock Band 2. You know, what's wild about that being on Rock Band 2, like this sort of speaks to the pettiness of a lot of what was going on, is Slash was heavily featured in Guitar Hero. <laughs> you're trying to start shit in 2008 well that's my thing is it's like is axel starting shit
0: well they're probably because is like a part of him that with his ego that's like oh if he he's he could fucking i could fucking we could be why aren't we in one of those you know what's like, right, what's the what's the thing that's different
2: from his thing fuck him i'm gonna do that thing all right cool let's put us in rock band you know what that's got more instruments yeah, exactly. They could play drums to Shackler's Revenge. Um,
1: they, they eventually released I the, whole the drum album as for so downloadable they content. they play it easier. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, the album was... Uh, so several days before the release, the band streamed the album on their MySpace page. And it was streamed over 3 million times, breaking records. I think that still held up to the end of MySpace, but I could be wrong. Nah, Teela um, Tequila broke their record the album's somehow. release after the album's release, the album was marketed so fucking poorly. Uh, Rose didn't appear in public for several months and didn't respond to calls from the label to promote the album. Great uh, The album was finally released uh, November 23rd, 2008, sold exclusively, you know, this was back when album sales were still kind of mostly on, uh, you know, in physical copies, sold exclusively through Best Buy. Um uh, as I said, the album was banned in
2: China. Um, and yeah, I mean, it was received pretty well. Best Buy Exclusive is like a cool thing, because like I do remember that uh, when I worked at Target, uh Taylor Swift albums were target exclusives, or like she had a version of She's, every album. She is the target That was exclusive of music only available at Target it's like still a thing they kind of mm. try to do uh, Best Buy has gotten out of it because um, uh, they're focused more on like selling dishwashers and shit yeah. but it was a big thing oh, yeah. of just like having like oh you could only go to Target you remember to get that, this Taylor Swift so you, you could remember only that go to Best Buy to clown get this posse
0: yeah. album that was a Spencer's Gifts exclusive <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding what I'm just kidding
1: I mean, it, again, it, that's the Stewart Little of music, where you could ex- you could tell yeah. me anything about Insane Clown Posse, and it probably happened. Um, Crystalia's new special so... is a Party City exclusive.
3: Party City.
1: <laughs> <laughs> One little bonus, uh, you know. Again, the album was received pretty well. People thought, you know, kind of like, this is crazy. It sounds insane. It sounds like. A 90s album and an 80s album and a 2000s album. It sounds like dogs. Uh, It sounds like wolves were fucking in the background. (laughs) I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. I just think, like, you know, to answer our question that we always ask of was it worth it, like, it just sounds like at the end of the
2: day, you ended up with less than an hour of music. I, um, in my opinion, that you barely toured. In my opinion, a good album is one that I can put on front to back. Not give a shit about skipping one, you know, like I have a few in that like category. I think, uh, the battle uh, of Los Angeles by rage against the machine is one of the most perfect albums in the world, you know, uh, like those are things that like, I don't have to skip one, but after three to four tracks of Chinese democracy, you're a hot skip. And let me tell you, that's two more tracks than a lot of other albums. You know, like Usher has built a career on a releasing one good song uh, on an album every year for the past like ten years. Right, it's but like, that's
0: the other thing: is he puts out enough albums so consistently that there's not this huge hype that gets built up for the next Usher album to be good. You're like, oh, well, there's already new Usher music. Cool. Like you're not like that's what hurt them is that it was like. It's I'll, it's not know, it's staying consistent. That, like, yeah, it's not, like I said, all their songs have, like, something that's really cool going on in them, I feel like. You know what I mean? And I don't feel like it's an album that you listen to and you go, what were they thinking? It's so bad. I mean, there's a couple parts that are quite bad.
2: Well, it's uh, it's, uh, it's because, because they are a band that came at the tail end of when you did listen to full albums. You know right, like right. after uh, but this uh, doesn't feel like an album made by a band. It's it's no. not that's why no, it's it not made by a band it's made by it, it's made by committee. It's well, the it's, made uh, by like a it's the Snyder cut. This is like a, the Chinese democracy and the feeling you get and your opinion that it's not that bad is the same way we're going to walk out of the Snyder cut.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's, it's it seems like it was it was sort of a rotating uh, you know I mean this, this rotating panel of people that would like come and go and change and rechange and retool and get rid of and add and like what you're left with is just this amalgamation of styles and points of view and influences that don't mesh into anything without with well, no yeah, cohesion.
2: Like, uh, that's what, uh, when I was listening to the album when you listen to it on uh, Apple Music it tells you the credits for everyone who gets like legal credit on each song And like, it's even like you get like Scott Ian from Anthrax in there. You get Dave Navarro is on some of them too. Like, everyone who's ever touched an instrument in the rock, like, Venn diagram like has touched that album within those 10 years and it's because it was a catch-all of like who's talented who can contribute to this who loves Guns N' Roses enough to try to do this and really the fault of this album is it didn't have somebody who loved Guns N' Roses more than Axl Rose because the only person who did love Guns N' Roses more than Axl Rose was Slash hmm.
1: Now, two last things before we, we really close this out. Zooto, Zootopia um, had allowed a storage unit containing several CDs of recordings to expire, allowing its contents to be auctioned off. The winner sold them to a Guns N' Roses fan who circulated them online. So you can found a, find a lot of these crazy person CDs. His name was uh, Rosas, Rosas XL. Um, now, even crazier, <laughs> listen to this. Username,
0: so, Duffink. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, on March da 2008, da media reported... <laughs> This is my monster, I understand. Um, media reported that soft Is that a Patty Jenkins quote? Dr. Pepper <laughs> would offer a free can of its product to everyone in America, excluding former Guns N' Roses guitarist Buckethead and Slash, if the (laughs) band released Chinese Democracy in 2008. On the Guns N' Roses website, Rose wrote of his surprise at the company's support, and said he would share his Dr. Pepper with Buckethead. After it was announced that the album would be re-released in 2008, Dr. Pepper confirmed that it would uphold its pledge. However, on the album's release, the Dr. Pepper website servers crashed under the demand for coupons. Lawyers for the band threatened Dr. Pepper's parent company with a lawsuit two days after the album's release. In a letter to the company, Rose's lawyer, Alan Gutman said, "...the redemption scheme your company clumsily implemented for this offer was an unmitigated disaster." (laughs) Frauded consumers <laughs> and in the eyes of vocal fans ruined Chinese democracy's release. Gutman also demanded a full page apology to appear in the Wall Street Journal, USA Today, The New York Times, and the Los Angeles Times
2: unmitigated is the funniest word to put in anything you send to somebody because it's why only something you say when you're rage. in the wrong Yo. you know yeah. like and it's unmitigated oh, is so the i'm wrong so mad. why are they so they were
1: like i can make this album not doing well Dr. Pepper's
2: fault. No, like, it, it it's would be like, of if
0: the Dr. Pepper servers,
2: if Hot Cheetos <laughs> came out and said, We will give a bag of Hot Cheetos to everybody who listens to this, except for the guys who made that development hell podcast on the iHeartRadio contest. Yeah. <laughs> and then we got mad at them. <laughs> well, dude,
3: imagine
1: if right now, we're like, We'll give a bag of Cheetos to everyone in America if Avatar 2 comes out this year. And then, like,
0: <laughs> then James Cameron sues Cheetos for being like you ruined Avatar 2 <laughs> <laughs> because not everyone got the you're saying everyone puffies. Also, <laughs> it's puffcorn. It's $2 this, and it's not the same. <laughs> so, I never got my Dr. Pepper can. This feels a lot like when you I never got a Dr. Dr. Pepper supposed can. to give everybody $125 or something.
2: Wasn't that? <laughs> I, a I thing? didn't know about that. Bad. No dude. <laughs> so I registered like, for I, I registered for that lawsuit sure. and got 7 dollars back that, dude, that's sick oh, that's man. seven more than you had now
0: listen that's when I pulled out a dogecoin today at seven <laughs> <laughs> Richard is going to help
1: us out with this ending this kind of poignant moment of an ending um, when Chinese democracy was released Slash of course uh, was, who was enjoying his Slash dumb his he was doing you know his solo act he was still
2: touring uh, he was asked about it and he said it's a really good record. It's uh, very different from the original Guns N' Roses sounded like, uh, but it's a great statement by Axel. It's a it's a record that the original Guns N' Roses could never possibly make and at the same time it shows you how brilliant Axel is. Really shows you that uh, Slash should be in politics cuz nobody has ever been so across the aisle <laughs> in right. that statement. You know, like that is the most like hey, I mean like you know, I believe people should get two thousand a month, but the Democrat you know, you know what they're saying across the way about you already got six hundred and we should add another fourteen to that and make it the same thing. Sounds right. He he quits the he quit the band eleven years before this album came out. I would imagine
1: he has time to just be able to listen to it as music. And maybe remember that 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 Guns N' Roses, including Chinese Democracy was a band that created really interesting, great,
2: sometimes perfect music. But they never didn't make interesting music. It makes me think about, like, how does the guy who helped write Sweet Child of Mine, like, listen to music?
0: Right, that's interesting.
2: You know, it's like, how does does somebody who's made one of the perfect songs in this world... Treat music as something to listen to objectively,
0: and, that, and that's something that, that I would becomes be interested in. What you in. try to start doing of being like, "Oh, I'm the guy who made this song." Maybe I need to quantify music and have a thousand CDs with these different sounds, and and then maybe I can synthesize back what I plucked out of the ether before. You know what I mean? Like,
2: it comes back to that, like uh, that video games talk where Spike said, "Like, I have." beaten everything you can do in this UFC game but it's like if Spike decided to make a UFC game after this (laughs) you know it's like you feel like you've perfected it
1: and you're like "What?" which I've recently announced and if anyone would like to Pre-order UFC Super Super Fun Fun Spikes UFC game. Oh my god, guys, guys, out.
0: guys, 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 guys! Dr Pepper is if Spike finishes the game this year. <laughs> Dr <laughs> Pepper. <laughs> and and guys and
1: and get your coupon because I am prepared to sue if this doesn't go through. <laughs> Tournament
2: Super. He's using the Pot Brothers at law.
0: Yeah, what that well, that, guys, that lawyer also had such a terrible Gutman. Gutman and Gutman, Gutman. Alan
2: Gutman or something. No, I just mean he used the word unmitigated, which means it's it's just just a whole
1: built on lies. An unmitigated disaster, which defrauded consumers and, in the eyes of vocal fans, ruined Chinese democracy's release.
2: My thing is like
0: I've never heard of.
2: (laughs) If I put a knife to that man's throat and said spell unmitigated, he couldn't do it. Right, Like, I would just, like, get pretty mad at you. Like, those kids would be orphans <laughs> at the end of that night. Okay, I'm sorry. Oh,
1: Jesus.
2: Well, on that note, guys, that's <laughs> China's
1: Democracy. Uh, a, a couple songs by Guns N' Roses, uh, basically, really Axel and his friends. Um, and I'm glad we got to dig into it, because I feel like it's something we all peripherally knew about, but it's, it's such a wild, crazy story, I thought. Um, Kyle, I, I do have one, I do have a question, Kyle. Yeah. Um, which is, what are we talking about next week?
0: Well, next week, uh, I thought we would take a little trip, um, back, uh, into the, into the neo-noir, uh, time of, uh, 1947 Los Angeles, um, um, but really a trip to Australia in 2011 and cover the video game L.A. Noire, uh, 2011's L.A. Noire, which has Ooh. one of the most interesting development cycles is uh, a rock star game. Um, now, what we're going to do for this one that's a little interesting, I'm going to send you guys a 10-hour uh, YouTube video. <laughs> that uh you do not nope. have to watch all of but you could watch the first hour and a half of and you'll Yay. understand <laughs> a lot about the game and a lot about the story and the characters um and then I'll sort of be able to break down everything else. So if you if you guys do want to watch along with us, uh you can watch literally just look up um uh LA Noir movie on YouTube and you'll it'll be all the scenes that are pertinent sort of it's
2: together. all the cut scenes.
0: Yeah, it's all the cutscenes. Because I know, like awesome. that game is Stuff
2: insane. Like, because uh, like, I never actually played it. Uh, I, uh, I, uh, it was. An, I was an avid like watcher of G four TV at the time, so mm-hmm. I do know like of it in the way of like. There's times in the game where you use people's faces and how they're reacting yeah, to like and, and- uh, interrogate people, but it was like in a time when technology wasn't there to make that a thing that works
0: well we'll we we will talk about it because it actually it works surprisingly well because it's sort of the 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 reason that this project became so costly is because they develop that technology during the process of making this game and the people in play it, it becomes super interesting so we will dive in next week to la noir Uh, Until then, Kyle, again, who
1: are we, who do we love for giving us our great, great song, our great, great intro music?
0: Uh, It's, uh, that's that's our boy, uh, uh, Tezzy Mav.
2: Oh, thanks, Tezzy Mav. We really appreciate you. Yeah. Genuinely.
0: So uh, that's our, that's our shit, baby. That's our and pod. listeners, we love you. you. Love it, bitch. Rate,
1: review, Please rate subscribe it. on all of the things you listen to. If you're listening right now, take five more seconds and click the five stars thing. That's all you got to do.
2: Um, and will know that you love us. I want to give a shout out to Rich Vargas, uh, our steady, faithful Instagram follower who commented on almost every post of ours. And Hell said yeah. he really enjoys this podcast and he's super glad he found it. So shout out to another Rich. Uh, appreciate yeah, Rich,
0: you. thanks for listening. That's awesome. Thanks for listening. And hey, Swede. Hey, Swedish fan. We know there's three of you now. (laughs) One of you should step up and take the mantle of the Swede. Did
2: did one of you like do a pay it forward and show two other people this podcast and they like it now? Because I think that's what happened. Why aren't any of you?
0: Great. So Swedish fan, step up, be a man, be a woman, come forward. Truthfully, (laughs) truthfully, Swede,
2: truthfully, Swede, if you do contact us, I will give you something for free. It, it it's a mystery bag, all right? It's a gun. Oh, what nice. it is? It's a gun. It's a
0: gun or a rose. You get to find out.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> now, now now Spike, can we talk about getting some sort of a coop situation for richard for future episodes. richard needs a coop we're not allowed in there. yeah can poop like... all over it if
1: he wants to <laughs> and we are at about two and a half hours so we got to wrap up uh we'll see you guys <laughs> next week uh for la noir uh
2: bye dean thank god i love the smell of dog poop